Pastor Xavier Reese and a simple and true picture of faith. You will find many similarities and truths of the Bible in many religions because they're counterfeits and they began with the original. You have a dollar bill, you have an original. And you have many counterfeits. The counterfeits will vary. The original will be one. You have one true worship of God, that which is described in the Bible. Everything else is a counterfeit. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. In this digital age, just about everyone carries a camera with them on their cell phone, a long way from the old Polaroid days. As you take a walk down memory lane, and maybe even grab an old photo album to reflect upon, have you ever considered God's photo album? He has one, and it's all recorded for us in His Word. Today, Pastor Xavier takes us way back to a time before God sent His only Son, with a snapshot of hope for the future. Here he is with today's simple truths from the book of Hebrews chapter 7, titled, Melchizedek was a snapshot of Christ. Let's listen. The author of Hebrews now turns to the subject of Melchizedek, of whom he had many things to say back in chapter 5, verse 11, and he rebuked them for their infancy and carnality, and now he's ready to lay it on the line. He stated that Jesus is our, high, our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, who has entered in within the veil in heaven as a forerunner for each of us because he is our refuge and our anchor of our soul. And this is what sets the stage in chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, which again he's referring to Psalm 110, verse 4, which he has given over and over and over again. Now, the presentation of Melchizedek assumes the form of what's called homiletical midrash. This is just the form the way the Jews taught in the synagogue. If two separate passages contain the same word and the verbal analog provides a sufficient reason for explaining one text in light of the other, we do it parallel passages. You get into the gospel, well, right here it says one man was demon possessed. You look through the gospel, there was two. Oh, he's focusing on one, but there really was two. So parallel passage will supplement, complement, or clear up, right? This is what it's doing. And one text explained because the scriptures explains, interprets the scripture. So we have to interpret it within the whole counsel of God. Now, in chapter 7, verse 1 through 10, focuses on Genesis 14, as we'll see. It is the dominant text, but in the whole of chapter 7, the text of Genesis is subordinate to Psalm 110, verse 4, that Christ is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And we'll see this as it's brought up more than one time. Now, in chapter 7, the author is going to demonstrate the superiority of the Melchizedek priesthood over the Levitical priesthood due to being one thing, and this is the underlining thing, eternal. It doesn't end. The earthly priesthood of Levi through Aaron did. And so what we want to do here in verse 1 through 10 is we want to focus our study on the perpetual priesthood of Melchizedek, a type of Christ which is revealed by three things. Let me read. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, 
priest of the Most High God, who made Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings of, and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness and then also being king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, who receive the priesthood, have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them receives tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now, beyond all contradistinction, or contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. The perpetual priesthood of Melchizedek, a type of Christ, is revealed by the history of Melchizedek, first of all, verse 1 through 3. Second, by the greatness of Melchizedek, verse 4 through 6. And then thirdly, by the significance of the blessing of Melchizedek, verse 7 through 10. The history of Melchizedek, look at verse 1 through 3. By the way, this is all one sentence, all three verses, one long sentence. Notice first in verse 1 there, uh, the exaltation of Melchizedek as a type of Christ. Melchizedek is identified with Jesus who has fulfilled the prophetic order of the priesthood by the word for. It looks back to chapter 6, verse 20. Melchizedek, as you know, is mentioned only two times in the Old Testament. The first time in Genesis 14, 17 through 20, which he calls attention to here. That's about the year 2000. From Adam to Abraham, it's 2,000 years. Okay, and we're rounding it off just to make it easy. It was there that these five kings of the east rebelled against the west, and they came to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they took it, and they took captives, also Adama and Zeboim, the cities around it. And Genesis 14, 1 through 4, gives us all the name of the king there, Okay. It's a coalition of these five kings that rebelled against this uh, tribute they were under. And, and one of the uh, individuals escaped from Sodom and Gomorrah, came to Abraham and said, Listen, they've taken your nephew Lot with him. And Abraham got 350 of his own servants of his own house, which means he had a pretty, pretty good sizable house. Uh, you've got to allow women and children. And so he went looking for him. Remember, Lot's a rat. If I was Abraham, I would have said, he deserves it. Hey, he's, he reaped what he sowed. Abraham went after him. That's the first appearance of Melchizedek. The second appearance doesn't come till a thousand years later. Nothing is heard about him. Nothing is said about him. Then in Psalm 110, verse 4, by the mouth of David, about the year 3000, he gives us this passage on after the order of Melchizedek. Those are the only two passages in the Old Testament to speak about Melchizedek. Notice Melchizedek is called the king of Salem, which means king of peace. Some believe it refers to Jerusalem because Psalm 76.2 makes a reference to it, very possibly. 
Some say no. Melchizedek had supreme rule and authority and access to Yahweh in the city predestined to be the city of God. I think it is a reference to it. We already know, according to the scriptures, that Jesus will reign in the, in the millennial kingdom there in the city. Now notice Melchizedek is also called the priest of the Most High God, El Elyon. This is the second title. Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God, Yahweh, the possessor of heaven and earth. In fact, Genesis says that, the possessor of heaven and earth. He's the creator. Now, just as Jesus was the fulfillment of the order of Melchizedek, he is the heir of all things. Hebrews 1, 2 told us that already. He created all things. El Elyon. God, who at different times and in diverse manners spoke in times past to the fathers, has in these last days spoken unto us by his dear Son, who is the heir of all things, created all things. He has a superior name than angels, Son. Now, the phrase the Most High God is in contrast to polytheism, as you know, worship of several other gods. Now, man began with the knowledge of one God. Adam and Eve knew one God. After the fall, men began to get into idolatry. Many gods, the Tower of Babel and many other things. After the flood, same thing. So you will find many similarities and truths of the Bible in many religions because they're counterfeits and they began with the original. Romans 1 tells us when they knew God, they didn't want to know him as God and they became vain in their own imaginations and they worshiped the creature more than the creator, which is blessed forevermore. You have a dollar bill, you have an original and you have many counterfeits. The counterfeits will vary. The original will be one. You have one true worship of God, that which is described in the Bible. Everything else is a counterfeit. Melchizedek met Abraham, notice, after he had returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed them. Abraham didn't go see Melchizedek. Melchizedek came out to meet him. As he's coming from the north, possibly he just came out, knowing that. God speaking to him. He was one who came out to meet him. And notice Melchizedek was the priest king. This is the focus. Which reflects the prophetic office of Jesus. The Messiah. Not the kings. Not Abraham. But the priestly king Melchizedek is the focus. As great as Abraham is, he's not the focus here. Now notice secondly in verse 2. The admiration of Melchizedek is a type of Christ. Abraham gave honor to Melchizedek, being a, a priest of God, by giving a tenth of all that he had. Notice that. Abraham did not turn away from Melchizedek, the priestly king. Then why would these Hebrew Christians turn away from the great high priest, Jesus Christ? You see the progression? You see how he's nailing them? Are you greater than Abraham? Melchizedek was a type of Christ. Now notice Melchizedek means king of righteousness. The title depicts character again, prefiguring Christ, the king, to come. In fact, the Hebrew word melech means king in Hebrew. And then sedek in the Hebrew means righteousness. It's made up of those two words. Melchizedek was also known as king of Salem, notice that, which means peace. Once again, depicting character. The Hebrew word shalom means peace. Jesus is called the prince of peace, by the way, in Isaiah 9, 6, if you remember. 
Righteousness and peace have kissed each other, Psalm 85, 10 says. Where? In Christ Jesus, our great high priest. Righteousness always precedes peace. You cannot have peace with God until you've accepted his righteousness for your sins. To say that you are at peace with God, have, never having repented and accepted his righteousness, is to deceive yourself. It's to say that God is lying, that he sent the Son in vain, that you are the exception. Now notice thirdly, verse 3. The omission of the lineage of Melchizedek as a type of Christ. Melchizedek had no pedigree without mother, without father, or genealogy to speak of as far as records are concerned, ignoring his what? Descent very purposely here. Now, you know, to the Jews, a genealogy was very important. In fact, in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra, some of the Jews wanted to be involved in the repatriation of the nation after coming out of Babylon, but they could not find their genealogies, so they said, no, you can't help. No genealogy, you can't be part of the priest. So to the Jews, genealogy is everything, and that's the point here. Having none of these records, Melchizedek stands as a type of Christ, eternal. And we'll see this. These are to emphasize the lack of record of the Old Testament for the high priesthood of Jesus. For his descent was not after the tribe of who? Levi, nor the family of Aaron, but through David to Abraham, back to Adam through the tribe of Judah. And Luke chapter 3, verse 23 through 38 does that. Matthew gives us an ascension. Luke gives us a descension. Okay? So Melchizedek had neither beginning of days nor end of life. Once again, this does not mean that he was some divine being or other than human. Simply that there was no record kept or found. Real simple. This again giving emphasis to the prophetic type of Christ. Here it is. Ready? Eternal. This description gives the idea of Melchizedek in typology being eternal. Though he was a man, it's in typology. The type points to the fulfillment. All right? Now, notice the end of verse 3 there. Melchizedek was made like the Son of God. Here's the key. All right? The word but provides a sharp contrast from the human descending line to the divine call as priest of the Most High God. A type that stood for the prophetical call of the Son of God. So no records are found of Melchizedek because he was called divinely by God, distinct from Levi. Jesus was called by God, distinct from Levi. All right? Very important. Though Jesus can meet the genealogical line through the line of David, he certainly did not come of the tribe of Levi, okay? So it's a parallel, type and fulfillment. Notice Melchizedek was the foreshadow of the high priesthood of Christ by an eschatological reality. God, who at different times and in different ways spoken times past to the fathers, has in these last days spoken unto us by his dear son. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Okay? The last days. Eschatology. The study of, of end things. These are the last days. 
He fulfills it completely. Now, look at the phrase made like. In the Greek, it's one word. That means to cause a model to pass off into an image or a shape. The idea is to produce a facsimile. And this is the only appearance in the New Testament. Who would dare go about and buy a facsimile of a very famous portrait or picture or painting and try to declare it to be the genuine? The word speaks for itself. It's a facsimile of Christ. There have been many opinions to identify Melchizedek, ignoring what the text says. Rabbi Ishmael in 135 B.C. thought him to be Shem, Noah's son, which was accepted by Luther also. Philo, the Alexandrian Jew, saw him as a human soul, divine reasoning, functioning in a priestly way as the, quote, quote, upright word that controlled the passions and delighted the soul and honored God with exalted thought. Very flowery. He didn't regard Melchizedek as a real person, historical person. Philo was an Alexandrian Jew who spiritualized everything. Origen believed him to be an angel being, others as the angel Michael. Now all of these things are nothing but speculation and opinion. They can't be proven by scripture, so why even say it? Heraclius, towards the end of the third century, thought him to be the temporary incarnation of the Holy Spirit. This is a real wild one. And still others, not so off the wall, believe that he is the pre-incarnation of the Logos, or Jesus, a Christophany, due to the phrase, made like the Son of God. But if you look at the text, the very words will show you that he was not the Son of God. And I'll give you some reasons later on. Now, look at the end of verse 3 there. Melchizedek remains a priest continually. In other words, there is no mention anywhere that his priesthood was transferred or ended. Very important. This is a simple parallel of the point Paul has already made about Jesus, who is the fulfillment of Melchizedek. He is the believer's perpetual great high priest forever. 620-717, he says, For he testifies an unchangeable priesthood. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Uh, verse 21, he says, For they have become priests without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. There again, two more times, Psalm 110, verse 4. You know, a photograph is a priceless thing when a loved one is gone for a long time. And you look to the picture and you just long for that person. It's the closest thing that you have. It's their facsimile. <laughs> but who would dare, once the genuine came back, continue to adore and look at the picture rather than spending time with the reality? It would be silly. It would be irrational, and that's the author's point to these Christian Jews. Jesus will be the king of Jerusalem in the kingdom age. Isaiah 2, 2 through 3 tells us, if you remember, all will come to Jerusalem and he will teach them all. Righteousness will reign. 
In fact, Zechariah 6.13 says, Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. A glorious time. Jesus is the most high God. We worship him. The worship of Yahweh by the Amorites, as you know, and the Canaanites existed before Abraham. He is Melchizedek. He's way back of Abraham. You remember the promise that he gave to Abraham in Genesis 15, 16? He says, until the abominations of the Amorites has come, I can't give you the land. So that means that the people in the land, the Amorites, the Jebusites, all those ites, they knew about Yahweh. And God gave them 400 years to repent. We don't have any record outside of that one. God always warns and gives ample time before judgment comes. They did not repent, so God took the Israelis out of Egypt and says, now you're my instrument of judgment. I give you the land. Pretty heavy, isn't it? No one will be without excuse. God always gives strong and long warning before judgment comes. In the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Genesis 15, 16. Noah had been handed down the testimony of God. He was the one who escaped the flood, his wife and his sons and their wives. And they continued the godly line and they handed it down. Man knew about God. They corrupted the ways of God. The announcement to Mary said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Luke 1.35 He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. Son of David. Luke 1.32 So Jesus is the God, the most high God. In fact, he's called the son of the most high God by the demons in Mark 5, 7 and Luke 8, 28. <laughs> Remember the demon-possessed girl of Philippi? She said about Paul and Silas, these men are the servants of the Most High God, Acts 16, 17. The Most High God, he's the only one who deserves worship. He's the creator. He's the one who runs things. You see, man has no righteousness of his own to be accepted by God. Um, Isaiah 64, 6, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Jesus makes peace with God for us as he justifies us, Romans 5, 1 and 2. As I repent for my sins, he justifies me and he forgives me by grace through faith. And so now I have the peace of God available to me for the situations of life in John 16, 33 and Philippians 4, 6 through 8. That I may go to him and draw from that. But first I must be, make peace with God repenting from my sin because God's at war with me when I'm a sinner and I'm at war with God when I'm a sinner you understand and until I repent that flag is not white it's red we're at war once I repent the white flag goes up and by the way I'm surrender not him <laughs> why would you turn away from Jesus our great high priest like these Hebrew Christians were attempting to it doesn't make any sense, does it? Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of surrendering to the Savior, the only one who can carry you through your circumstances. 
And you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's much more to come right here next time as well. But if your schedule permits you to tune in, you can pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is, Melchizedek was a snapshot of Christ. It's available on CD for only $4. Once again, the title to ask for is, Melchizedek was a snapshot of Christ. Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Does the Bible have the answers to ease your financial struggles? The answer is coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. You can't afford to miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com